Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Turning 30 podcast with me, Sam Dennis. Now, before we get into the episode itself, I'm very pleased to say that I've got a, a special guest for the for the intro this week. Um, joining me all the way from Edinburgh University is Professor of Social Sciences, Mr Malcolm Fitzgerald. Malcolm, welcome to the show. Uh, hello, uh, good afternoon, pleasure to be here. And good afternoon to you. So, just before we start Malcolm um have you listened to the podcast at all uh, uh, no I, I haven't uh, should I have <laughs> well I mean it's not for me to say what you should or shouldn't have done but I just thought <laughs> considering you were going to be a guest on the show you may have listened to one or two episodes but no uh, no no to be perfectly honest with you I, I don't really like podcasts I find them quite boring actually Right, so you've come down here to be a guest on the podcast, but you don't really like podcasts and you haven't listened to any of the episodes. Aye, that's about right, yeah. Great, okay, well thanks very much for coming down Malcolm, It's it's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. Anyway... So, on this episode, I was delighted to be joined by my older brother, Adam Dennis. Uh, We recorded this back in kind of February time, so um, a couple of things have changed since then. I think I was only one or two episodes in. Uh, I've now actually turned 30, and my partner, Nancy, is a little more than my partner. She's now my fiancé. So, yeah, we we had a bit of a, a chat in a formal sense, which we've never really done before, about our childhood uh, about his engagement to his now wife his son Seb we chatted about a load of stuff um, a few things that you need to know which we might not have mentioned we grew up abroad we grew up in Hong Kong and Indonesia and Spain over the span of about 10 years and then we moved back to England sort of separately um, and most importantly we call our dad Dave his name is Dave and he is our real dad we just call him Dave bit weird so uh no more from me please as usual sit back relax and enjoy my conversation with my older brother adam dennis malcolm you could get stuffed if you think you're getting paid for that no shite social science is my ass you were four and a half when i was born yeah and We've always had, we've always been close. And do you think that that gap, but before we get to that, how did you, do you remember how you felt knowing that you were going to have a younger sibling, be it a boy or a girl? Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't. I, I, I remember being worried um, before you were born, um, dad was in a car accident. Um, he rolled his car. Um, driving home from work at six o'clock in the morning. Is this the one where he bumped someone off the drive? Yeah, he, no, he bumped somebody's car off yeah, their so drive. Right. He ended yeah. up right way up in a drive and knocked the car into the garden and nearly killed himself. And I remember being really worried from what mum was saying. Um, and we went to visit him in hospital, and he that's where he got the, the break in his collarbone from the seatbelt that saved his life. Yeah, because he was really skinny when, when he had me, was like it? when they had me, like, well. I was going to say as skinny as you, but you've put on a few pounds <laughs> thanks, recently. Thanks. Skinny as I used to be. Skinny as you. But that's because you can still see the, the overlap on where his um, collarbone has been. So hospitals I, I associated with bad things. Mm. Mum went into a hospital and I wasn't, I don't recall um, thinking about, oh, she's going in hospital and I'm getting a baby brother or a baby sibling. I, I don't remember that. I remember her going into hospital and not being there and Dave and I going home and, and I don't know why I remember this but they were retarmacking our drive at the time and I just remember being worried um, but then the next thing I, I actually remember um, is the picture that I've got on my um, fireplace where they've put us on their bedroom yeah. um, their bed rather um, and we're Looking each other. at each other, yeah. yeah it's a great photo. It's, a, it's an amazing photo. Yeah. Um, it's my favourite photo um, of us. But that's the next thing I remember. And I, I remember being in that photo. Mm. Um, 
and then I remember wrestling on that bed you know only a matter of years um, later but I, I, I don't recall being excited about having a baby sibling I only recall being excited that I had yeah. a baby sibling yeah and that's kind of what I'm getting at that for a lot of siblings there does seem to be or you know from a um, a typical sense that jealousy of you know if you're I guess what I'm trying to say is that if, if you're anywhere within a certain time period where it's all about you and then another one comes along, there tends to be a bit of jealousy. And we do, we've seen that with a few friends who have, you know, siblings that we're friends with and close to. Um, but that just wasn't the case with us. No, um, I, I, I don't know how to explain that um, because um, conventional wisdom wisdom might suggest that having spent four and a half years of just being the only child then another one turning up and taking the limelight as it were would would be worse I, I, I don't know why I, I can't explain it um, do you think it was your age just because you were that little bit older that you understood maybe, a bit more maybe but but um, my wife Kate um, she's only a little under two years um, older than her brother James, and she loves him to bits. Well, you know, very similar situation with with Nancy, my partner, and, and her little brother Stan. She absolutely worships the ground he walks on. You know, so protective of him, smothers him every time she sees him. So, yeah. I mean, maybe that's maybe that is the norm. Maybe, but but from my experience, the, you know, if there's a closer um, gap, there tends to be a little bit more jealousy. But with exactly. us, there's never there's never been that really. No. In fact, you used to use me to your benefit. As much as I possibly could. <laughs> at school? Uh, at school, at home. Um, I remember you, I don't know how old you were, you'd started eating out of bowls and, and being able to eat. So you must have been 18 months, coming on two years, maybe a little bit underneath that. And uh, and you had a, um, a bowl that you just finished and you were sat at, Mum was off upstairs or something. Probably drinking. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> she was a good mum. <laughs> she was a great mum, and she'll kill you. So. Yeah, she will. Um, if you don't edit it out. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know where she was, but the the fact of the matter is, it was the two of us, and I was in charge of of um, of you, and you finished your food, and I wanted to know what would happen if I threw a ceramic or a china bowl on the floor so I picked it up and threw it and it shattered everywhere and then I shouted mummy Sam's broken his bowl <laughs> but it was all things like that I mean I use you to my advantage a lot around football teams and those sorts of things in later years and definitely girls yeah but you got to a certain point um, when we were living in Indonesia where you ceased to be useful you were a very yappy, yappy child. Um, yeah, and you gave away more than you could keep to yourself. Mm. Yeah. So I had, to, I had to give you up at that point. That's that's probably a theme that has gone on as well, unfortunately, for me. Oh, intruder alert, intruder alert. It's okay. For the listener, um, I'm, we're currently recording in my flat that I own with my partner Nancy and she's just walked in and she looks very apologetic but we shall continue you couldn't just uh, get us a couple of glasses of water could you when you're up oh I, I haven't <laughs> you went to uni yes yeah when I was 18 I up sticks and moved back to the UK and you went to the University of Plymouth studied international relations which is sort of, yeah. <laughs> there was a gesture of uh, licking one's finger and putting it in the air at that at that remark. I mean, it's it's a kind of uh, pseudo political histo- history. Yeah, it kind hit of all the nails on the head of what I was interested in at the time. Mm. And so I was thinking about doing history. Um, I was thinking about doing any form of social sciences. Mm. 
Um, things that, that interested me that basically got me out of doing work for a couple more years, proper work for a couple more years. So in, in taking on or deciding to, to study that particular subject, where, where were you looking long term? Or was it just an element of, I'll take this to the... Stop giving the... Ga- yeah, it so was... So that I can kick the can down the road a little bit. Kick the can down the road. I mean, I, I, I had... I thought about the British military. I explored going into the RAF. Too tall. Too tall to be a pilot, um, unless I was, you know, interested in in doing a Douglas Bader and losing my legs from the knee down if I had to ever eject. Um, I don't know why I laughed at that. That's not funny. Well, Douglas Bader did pretty well. Over there. He was, you know, he's a legend. Um, We're a tall family, just to... So if anybody doesn't know us, I'm 6'3", you're 6'4", and Dad's 6'5", so... Yeah. Big, big guys. Yeah, so that... 6'3", and I'm the runt. Unbelievable. Continue. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I explored the military, explored the Royal Marines, realised that you had to run really long distances with loads of weight on your back. Not for me. Um, And then I, I got interested in... Um, in um, it, it, not necessarily politics um, but it, interested in the politics that affect international causes mm. um, you know you look at something like the Iraq war and, and, and the war that was raging in Afghanistan and the pressure that it puts on local um, communities and the way that they react to that, some people flee, some people embed themselves, etc., etc. It was it was interesting. Mm. So I kind of thought, well, potentially this could take me into roots down um, domestic politics, which, as I said, got ruled out. Mm. That was the first term. I was like, no, nope. not doing that. Mm-hmm. And and I got interested. What I really wanted to do was um, either join the European Commission um, for Refugees and Exiles, or the UN High Council for Refugees. And naturally. You ended up in audiovisual sales. Yeah, naturally. I mean, you can see that progression going through. <laughs> I mean, and you know, going via um, a state agency, recruitment, consulting, and um, IT sales. I think that route. is that is such a common route. I think, without making it sound, um, you know, without being patronising, that is it's such a. a yeah, common thing to hear people recruitment. You know, I've done recruitment, state agency. It's that kind of um, entry level sales. You're gonna probably get dicked. <laughs> you're probably gonna get screwed over a little bit, but you learn your trade, and it ends up making you probably a stronger person. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got really, you've ended up with a really good job, really good career. So you know, as much as it's probably not where you saw yourself when you left uni, you can't really look down on it. No, no, I don't. I mean, there are a number of ways I could have gone. I, I did um, apply to the UNHCR. Um, and UNHCR? Uh, the UN High Council for Refugees. Um, and they want you to have, have spent at least 10 years in the professional world um, to, to get in at a certain level and learning what happens in life, which is the right way to do it. But then... You know, I look back on it, and uh, not to sound like an absolute bell end, but I would be taking a substantial pay cut to go in uh, the role that I would be a- applicable to yeah. or able to a- apply for. Um, if I was to go back and do that now, yeah, and I'm, um, we'll get on I, to the reasons why you can't do that. Yes, <laughs> yeah, and there are specific and yeah. very important reasons as to why I would never. Or at the present point in my life, why I cannot do that. Mm. I guess to move on to um, really significant points in your life, um, the job that you, you're currently in or the one before you met your... The one before. The one before, so you met your yeah. significant other. Yes. Um, yeah, so... At, which, at what age? 20... 27. Seven, How yeah. old am I now? Old. Thanks. 34 you are 34 right? and we've been together 7 years mm. um, 27 now. in 4 days time oh blimey ok so you were field sales she was she's a marketing manager she's very successful I mean galleons out of your league let's be honest oh completely um, 
uh, and it was one I I mean I don't know too much about it and it's up to you how much you want to divulge but you guys just seemed to click almost instantaneously um, or did she think you were a bit of a twat at first because a lot of people do uh, it's a Dennis family yeah. thing <laughs> if, if you bring her on to do this ask her because the first time we didn't meet the first time um, we saw each other uh, I was being interviewed for the job um, and I I, I I think you should dress nicely for interviews so I came in in a nice jacket suit um, shirt and tie and apparently um, she'll ver- verify uh, this for you um, she said ooh he thinks a lot of himself doesn't he and this was I think this was Christmas Eve I came in for an interview as well um, you so, don't yeah. you don't think a lot of yourself <laughs> but you may have looked like it I time. may have looked like it I was trying to you know, you, going into a sales job, you have to create an impression. Mm. Um, I've got the job, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have that. Have that. Mrs. Marketing Manager. Love you, love you. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we. I, I was in a relationship at the time. Um, it was... You know, she sat opposite me. Um, we sat on a row of desks. Um, Kate, this is... Kate, yeah, she, my now wife. Um, she sat opposite me. She was the first person that spoke to me. She was the first person that um, tried to help me out with a couple of you know system-related issues that you tend to have when you join a new company, having worked in a certain way for a period of time. Um, she was clearly well thought of. She was clearly good at a job. Uh, um, nothing there, really, other than the fact that she was a nice person. Um, you mean that nothing romantic was was the, the, present the, at the beginning? No, she was in a relationship. She was in a relationship with an international cricketer. You know, we had a laugh and a giggle because it was a World Cup year, so he was out wherever he was playing cricket, and um, you know, she was. You know, we had it on the TVs um, around the the office, and we're all making jokes at his and her expense. <laughs> I don't really remember exactly how things changed, but um, it involved alcohol. As most things do. Um, it involved my girlfriend at the time. Um, just throwing her toys out of the pram at the fact that I had a new job where there were, um, where there were other women that I would go out drinking with. Um, because of the way the company was run uh, yeah I, I, it, it grew over time we, we were friends and then we weren't um, I just want to call a spade a spade a little bit with regards to you and going out drinking um, you are a bit of not an animal but you've got staying power Real state. I used power. to. Real, actually, probably more fear of missing out. Yeah. Last man standing. Oh, I've got I need to be. Or I used to have. Um, still, sometimes. Still, sometimes, but yeah, horrendous FOMO. Mm. Fear of missing out. Yeah. So you're always, you know, the race to be the last one, up with a glass of rum, having a good time. And I just wanted to, you know, with the whole, you know, the the person that you were with at the time, you going out. I just wanted to make that a bit clearer that, you know, you going out for a couple of drinks after work probably was a bit more like you were going out and getting quite drunk. Yeah. <laughs> because that's, it's the nature, it is the nature of the industry in which you work, not necessarily AV, sales, you know, you do a lot of, um, not whining and dining, socialising, that kind of thing. Yeah. And you do end up out. Working a lot hard more than A lot hard. more than, yeah, a lot more than other industries might. Yeah, but I didn't need that. I was at, you know, I, I was doing that beforehand. Was just a cultural fit for me. Was the relationship that you were in on, uh, not the rocks, but on, you know, it wasn't going the way that you wanted it to at the time? Or did it, did this, did this new thing come out of the blue? You don't have to say that much if you don't want it. No, it, it, it's hard to describe. Uh, I remember it being summer and, um, I'd, Myself and my previous um, girlfriend, we'd gone on holiday, um, and um, Kate, my now wife, 
we we you text people. What what set the wheels in motion was my girlfriend at the time found texts um, from from Kate that were just jovial. It was something to do with um, a um, set of dungarees. There was an in joke about dungarees. I can't, I can't for the life of me remember what it was. Um, and Kate, uh, sorry, my girlfriend at the time found this text from Kate, which she deemed to be un inappropriate um, yeah inappropriately friendly which which is weird given that on the same phone for a start what was she looking at my phone for but that's another subject entirely but you know the there were there was I worked with in our team at that time there was Kate and there was five other women all of which had texted me and all of those texts are on my phone why Kate's were different. Um, I don't. I honestly don't know. But clearly they were, and clearly she was right because you know eight months later, um, we'd broken up, and and I was getting together with Kate. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what it is, six cents or something. But but in the long run, she was right. But at the time, it hadn't occurred to me that there was anything there, mm. and it wasn't till I mean that must have been somewhere July-ish, Augusty time. Um, my previous girlfriend then broke up with me in um, in the back end of October, um, and then she said she wanted to get back together. So it was then until January when we broke up properly in the end. And frankly, that was selfish on my part because when she broke, it was a night out that she broke up with me. We were on a work night out. She, um, she, it was a work thing. Your work thing. At my work Ooh. thing, and she decided to go out with her mates in the same town. Um, obviously I was with Kate what a coincidence yeah exactly I was with Kate was there I wasn't mm. with Kate Kate was there as well as four or five these mm. four or five other women and then another eight or ten blokes that we were out with she got very drunk through her toys about how the pram broke up with me um, and yeah bad bad show on my part because when the next morning um she said she wanted to get back together. We were going to her sister's wedding in South Africa at a wildlife, um, what do you call it, safari park in just outside of Cape Town. And I was like, I, I want to go on that holiday and I can't do that if we break up. Also, it was a three-year relationship, so I guess I was attached in some way. I didn't know that you'd had a, a stumble before that. That's interesting. Sorry, come on. So, yeah, we went on that holiday. It was awful. I mean, the holiday was great, but we did not get on. Wrong decision. It, it, Ma- massively wrong. It's a really, really selfish decision. Um, we all, yeah, but we all make them. Yeah, but but what's worse is we got back um, and I convinced myself that I should give it a, a shot. And I was stupid in hindsight. Yeah. Um, but it worked it out is for the best. It worked it, out for the best because, you know... Whatever it was, four years later, Kate and I got married. Yeah, so. yeah, and there's uh, no good way to break up with people, but I don't think I necessarily did it in exactly the best way. Well, you know, and it's it it's a certain kind of person who does that kind of thing and um, never acknowledges that they're in the wrong, and it's a completely different type to to do it and look back retrospectively and say, you know what, I fucked up. So, I think that your candor on the subject is is respectable. And I think that, you know, people make mistakes. And if you can acknowledge it, then that's the only thing you can do, really. And it's much better than just, you know, saying, well, you know, that's the end of that kind of thing. So fair play to you. But like you say, um, it works out for the best. And I guess, you know, at that time of your life, you're 27, 28, you know, you're coming towards that age, that big age that this whole podcast is about. When you were... in that previous relationship or you know in the years leading up to it with those different jobs was that number 30 was that something that that you thought about was that something that was ever a a thing for you no no which is why I was interested um you know with your um your the, the the statement that you made at the beginning um of us chatting here you know about 
it's a it's a milestone that you've thought about and you wanted to get other people's opinions. I treated turning 30 with the same amount of surprise and ambivalence that I treat most things in life. <laughs> it sort of, I was like, oh, I'm turning 30. Well, <laughs> <laughs> another year. It, it never, it, it never really, I never really saw it as something that was, you know, at, at 28, when Kate and I were together, um, I was in a good position financially. Um, I'd started, I'd, I'd hired a, um, a, a PT, a personal trainer. I was going down the gym frequently. Nick, and my best friend, the, the girl I mentioned earlier that I went out with in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. Briefly, um, she was getting married, um, so I wanted to get in relatively decent shape for her um, for her wedding. Um, I, you know, I, it suddenly occurred to me quite late on that I was turning thirty, but I felt great at that point. Um, I think it was pretty much at that point that we bought Kate and I bought our house together while we were in Istanbul. Um, you didn't buy a house in Istanbul. No, no. We, bought the house while we were in East Istanbul. The house is in Middlesex. Um, otherwise, this would be a totally different conversation in a totally different language. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a good day. That was, we went into the Grand Bazaar with nothing and came out with an overpriced tea set in a house. Mm. It was a good day. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... It, it, um, uh, it came as a surprise to me um, what turning thirty? Yeah, sort of, because I didn't think anything would change at that point. Um, I, I, I joined. I mean, yeah. So I joined Sony when I was twenty nine. Um, so yeah, I was coming up, you know, six months in with Sony, um, and it wasn't thirty. Didn't hit me until so I'm. I turned thirty in January. Turning thirty didn't hit me until the May. I was at a trade show in uh, Bristol, a Bristol Zoo, mm. um, and I'd set up my stand, me and a mate were going for a few beers, we went for a lovely tie, had a few beers afterwards, called it a night. I woke up at two o'clock in the morning and my right ankle um, had swollen up to the size of my calf. It was bright red, really sensitive to the touch, really, really hot to the touch. Um, I ended up going into a hospital, getting given a lot of drugs. Um, and then going to the trade show stoned out of my mind. Um, I picked up two of my biggest customers at that show. Well don't done. remember. <laughs> don't remember a thing. I was on Kokoda Mall. Good um, stuff. Good yeah, stuff, that. I don't. I do not like going to make people sick. And uh, Kokoda Mall is, is the paracetamol. And the anti-inflammatory is something beginning with L that I can't remember the name of. I was on that too. And then I was on an antibiotic. And I was, I was on crutches. Um, just a sock on. And... I was off my head, completely off my head. Um, and I went to the doctors after this once the, the swelling had gone down and they went through the whole process and it found out I, I, I've got gout. I suffer from gout. And I was like, oh, so that's what happens when you turn 30. <laughs> it, you know, that's not a generalisation. That's what happens to you when you turn 30. Yeah, well, I, you know, they say things start falling off. Well, my foot nearly fell off. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that I have noticed about getting to this age. My bladder's got smaller. Yeah, but you've always had a I had really a need problem. a wee, so excuse me. <laughs> I have to edit this bit out. I'm sad that I, I could probably ignore it usually, but I thought, oh, God, I need a wee. I'm going to have to go. So if, you, if you were sensible, you could have just set me up with some sort of uh, lead. They can't hear you anymore. Apologies, but you are now well into your 30s 34 you've just turned thank you no problem for the reminder I just wanted to get that out there and it's interesting to me that you weren't really conscious of it leading up to it because I feel like I really have been and people around me have been as well hence why I wanted to talk about it Mm -hmm. but another thing is that when I you know when I was 25 26 I guess I looked at people exactly like you are now. And you, to me, represent essentially the epitome of an adult, you know, until you open your mouth. You know, if we rattle it off and we'll get, we'll get to, you know, the little bits and pieces, but you've got a 
lovely house in a really nice area, a lovely wife, um, and you've got a, a son, a fantastic son, who's just over a year, turned one in, in December. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just, like I said, that is what I think society believes by the time you're 30 or that we think that's what we should have. And I guess the way that you describe it is that it's kind of crept up on you. Yeah, I, I, where we uh, grew up and the people we grew up around or the people I grew up around because it's different from you given that you did your growing up years, you know, those sort of 13, 14 and beyond um, in a different country to me. Um, we, we had as many people in their mid to early 30s who didn't have kids. There wasn't that family... Uh, unit and necessarily um, established with some of them that you know p- people who were just sort of dating at that point hadn't yet got married that we were friends with uh, that our parents were friends with um, there were people who who had, who had done the other um, way they got married young and had kids some of them that had married young had kids got divorced been married um, and had kids with their um second spouse um so i i didn't i didn't see that societal definition point of well 30 you need to be you know thinking about these things Mm. i didn't have um that i'd already seen that things happen when they happen um and it's more important that it's right than that it happens Mm. so yeah, I was in my mid twenties and I was having fun, and then Kate came around in my mid to well late twenties. Let's face it. Mm. <sighs> mm. Um, and the decision. Well, we hit thirty. The decision to buy a house. Literally, the easiest thing I have ever. The moving part was shocking, but the decision to buy a house was easy. I didn't buy the house because it was what was the next thing to happen before I did this and that would allow me to do that it was because I didn't want to pay rent anymore I had the money or we had the money um, you know we were both relatively secure in our in our careers um, and we found a really lovely house yeah yeah you know for me those were the right reasons to buy a house um, the societal thing that happens is you know well you should be married by 30 or you should own a house by 30 or you should be Secure and know what's happening by thirty. Never really occurred uh, to me. It may have done to Kate. You'll have to ask her. But for me, it was the right thing to do at the right time. When I hit thirty, um, I didn't then go, "Oh Christ, we've bought a house. I'm thirty. Kids, marriage." Uh, Mm. Still didn't happen for me in that way. My foot fell off, um, as we discussed. Um, I noticed increasingly since then some of the things that change your are, foot didn't fall off you have two feet I have two feet yes to clarify <laughs> I have gout in my right ankle nowhere else just my right ankle um, and I yeah struggle with it when I drink too much red wine mm. and eat too much salty food I and struggle don't drink when I, water. I struggle when I drink too much red wine in general I don't have gout yeah that's the other thing that gets worse but you, people joke about hangovers before and after 30 yeah hangovers are worse really really a lot worse after 30 mm. I can't live with a hangover now yeah particularly now that I have a son um, he doesn't let me live with hangovers mm. and my wife certainly wouldn't let me live with a hangover so when um, so I mean again this is why it's fascinating to me because you don't you didn't have that um we don't even need to go into the detail of why you think that there is that pressure because, you know, it's just not a factor. It wasn't a factor in your in your thinking when you were in your late 20s. But if you actually, if we look at the, the timeline, so you found Kate, you know, you, the time was right to buy the house, you had the money, all that sort of stuff. And the next step was to, you know, uh, get engaged. So when when... I guess when did that all come together? When did you think, right, okay, yeah, this is, I'm done. 
I want her to to be my wife. That's an interesting question because again it kind of crept up on on me it occurred to Kate a lot sooner um, and I remember we, we went her parents have got a house in Devon we went down and stayed in Devon and she um, we got to the end of the weekend or whatever it was that we were down there and she said oh I thought you were going to propose this weekend and I was like fuck I hadn't even thought of it you thought I was going to do what? yeah <laughs> And that then got me thinking um, about it. And it was pretty much that weekend um, where I made the decision and then a week, a fortnight later. Was it, I mean, in terms, you say that weekend was where you you made the decision. Was it because, was it because she said it that you thought, was it, there's one of two ways that 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 decision could have been made shit she, wa- <laughs> she wants to marry me I better pull my socks up or do you know what I haven't thought about it but now that it's on the table and I know that she wants to and that's where her head is I'm there as well was it was it more that kind of thing yeah a, a little bit of both <laughs> as kind of most things oh okay um, I, I don't think the decision was made then I think the decision it's it's not a decision Really, if you, for me, uh, and I'm sure if you ask a lot of people who, who, who have gotten married in, in recent times, the, the, the decision, there isn't a, the decision is to buy a ring or to save to buy a ring or whatever it is. The feeling either occurs to you immediately or um, grows um, and sort of occurs to you at a later point. For me, it, the, that weekend I was like well yeah what, why am I being why haven't why haven't I of course that's right you idiot why didn't you think about this before I was happy totaling along we'd bought the house it was two years ago that we bought the house I was feet under the table in my job um, so know, do you look back at that weekend and think go, that was the perfect weekend I should have done it then no I, I no I don't okay. because Although, whatever Kate thinks, there were better ways of doing it for her. Um, I didn't get to do those, which is a shame, but even so, I think the way that I did it was funny and kind of worked for us. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, divulge a little bit on that. I mean, so that that, that was October? No, September. It's after the AV Awards, so it must have been September. Um... Yeah, the, the, it was kind of, like I said, I kind of went, why haven't I done it? Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense now that she says it. And I know that she's going to say yes now. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. Um, so that I, always I makes things easier. Always. And in hindsight, I was like, yeah, she kind of told me what ring she wants as well previously. And then it was a case of, of finding the right place. Kate, in the beginning of November, said that she was going to go a whole month without talking about weddings and what have you. On the 5th of November, she booked a venue. <laughs> so, I, uh, uh, hence why the deadline was set as, as soon as possible. The ring didn't turn up until the first week of December, though. So, so it's I a mean, bit long. Let, me just, let me just clarify that for the listener. You hadn't proposed yet, but your wife-to-be, who wasn't even your wife-to-be, had booked your wedding venue. Correct. <laughs> Now, if you knew Kate, you would <laughs> comprehend how very Kate-like that is. Uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, I had to get a shuffle on. Um, so I did. The, the ring was already ordered at that point. Mm. Um, but it took it took longer because it was a custom. It wasn't a custom. It was a non-regular ring. And so they had to make it from scratch and they imported the diamonds from Canada and whatever. So it, it, it turned up and it turned up in the first week of December. There was I can't remember what it was, but something was going on. Um, so I couldn't do it immediately. I hadn't asked um, permission from her parents yet. Um, so I planned, we, um, we were having a, I think it was a Friday night. Recall it as a Friday night. 
um, a Friday night in. Um, it was definitely a Friday night. Yeah, definitely was a Friday. Mm. It was definitely a Friday night because we were meant to be going ice skating. Yes, Nancy and I. Yes. Yes, your other half, mm. um, and you and mum and dad were flying in, mm-hmm. which is why it had to be that day. Mm-hmm. See, there we go, it all becomes clear. Uh, so yeah, um, I made a plan. Kate is, she's a problem solver. She loves puzzles, literally adores um, puzzles. So I'd plan, and she loves treasure hunts, So and she loves Easter egg hunts. So I planned a whole thing like down our road where I was going to do like the geocaching mm-hmm. thing. I was going to do all of this stuff in place, which would bring her back to the house, um, which uh, would bring her in front of the Christmas tree. Um, and on the Christmas tree would be a letter and the letter would say turn around and when she turned around. Mm-hmm. So she'd have to solve all the clues to get to that point. At that point, she'd get into the house and then I'd be on one knee. Yeah, fantastic idea. Yeah, for her, great. And um, that day comes down with the cold, she was off ill. Shit. Shit. So she was at home the whole day, so I couldn't do any of the things. So um, I don't know what time it was. Sometime in the evening, we'd both finished work. Um, I um, disappeared off that lunchtime on the, um, under the auspices of buying her some drugs. And I'd gone to... Um, Prescription drugs. Over-the-counter drugs. no. Night nurse, <laughs> yeah, a legal legal cold and yes. flu drugs. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of bought these for her um, and a bottle of wine and her favourite dinner, um, which was always going to happen anyway. But I'd gone to Tesco's um, and I'd bought. So th- there's a thing in old English law um, where marriages were arranged, um, and uh, the husband's family would give the um, the, uh, the bride's family money is uh, you know a, the way of paying off the fight I don't know something like that the, the but, groom's family would buy basically the woman I didn't want to say that because that's <laughs> extraordinarily wrong um, but that kind of is the case but as time evolved um, it then became a custom that the um, that the groom would give the um, the father of the bride a coin um as uh, as emblematic of what was happening. It was yeah. kind of just a, gesture. a tradition, a yeah. gesture. Um, so I brought them some chocolate coins. Chocolate coins, brilliant. <laughs> and, and I asked and they said yes. So then obviously I couldn't do all the things that I was planned, so I went home and when we finished work, I, I said, look, you're not feeling well, so let me run you a lovely bath, put all sorts of oils in it so she felt great and I cooked her dinner while she was in the bath. And so then I hid the ring, which came in a lovely... Um, box and I wrote all of my notes down um, for what I was going to do, the plans, etc., etc. Um, sat down to dinner. Um, um, her favourite dinner is like a chicken dish. Um, she loves dough and white potatoes, so I gave her the biggest portion of dough and white potatoes. Finished dinner, um, took the um, plate, so it was candlelit dinner, um, and I put the box down in front of her um, while she wasn't looking and she looked at the box like well, I opened the box like what the fuck is this I don't understand what's going on and um, so while she was looking at the notes going what's this I don't get it and um, I'd taken the ring out and I was knelt next to her by the time she looked up and obviously proposed and she was like I don't understand what's all this so I explained to her what it was and the fact that she ruined my proposal yeah so you in win case. on you not only do you win because you've, in, you've proposed but you also win because you can say you ruined that yeah you ruined it I mean, for all intents and purposes, you may not have had any inclination or plan to do anything, but you could have just told her that you did and made her feel bad about it. But we'll go with that you did have a plan. I've still got the notes. I know you had a plan because originally I was going to be involved well, in yes, it. yes, you were. So at that point, Nancy and I were out for a very, very posh meal at uh, Pizza Express. <laughs> Other predominantly Italian restaurant chains are available. And we had planned and we paid to go and... Uh, to go ice skating at Hampton Court Palace and yeah we got the phone call actually we got a picture of, of Kate wearing the ring and we decided to scrap the plans and came around for a glass of bubbly and the rest is history so that was all really really good and then I guess I guess the next milestone that I want to talk about and again it comes back to just the juxtaposition of you not really thinking about it and planning it or you know I know that you guys had a, a bit of difficulty but I wanted just to talk about that just fatherhood really what 
you know, the feeling of knowing that it's coming, the preparation and the actual feeling of, of being a father, I just I kind of, I guess it's really difficult to explain. But. It's really difficult to explain and I don't think anybody who's not a parent um, um, can quite comprehend the weird mix of emotions, particularly in, in my situation. Situation, which I won't go into too much detail, um, for once. Um, uh, but yeah, because of um, the complications during birth, um, I got brought my son um, while Kate was still in an operating theatre. Um, and I don't know how to admit this, but I kind of forgot that Kate wasn't around. So. Tunnel vision. I mean, not even. There's no tunnel. It's bubble vision. You, your your world goes from being completely open and, and out there to being as long as my arms, as long as I could still reach out and hold. Um, Seb, it, it's it's a really insane, um, surreal, emotional experience. Yeah, and. Yeah, again, not not. It's your prerogative to not divulge too much, but my understanding is that there was a three, four, five minute period where you weren't convinced that you were gonna have anything at the end of that that period. You know, th- there were some complications, and Kate was whisked into an operating theatre, at which point you were pushed out, physically pushed out by by the medical staff. It was like being thrown out of the bar and left with your own thoughts of what could potentially be happening which must be you know to have that build up must be the single most petrifying moment yeah so um it they can't they they the, the two orderlies um yeah they they um sent me out of the room um the operating theater without any instruction um it was whatever it was, four o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. Um, I'd been awake for like 28 hours or something. Um, it was... Uh, I, I, can't, I can't put Don't it into words. It, yeah. it, it's, it's really... I, you know, you watch a, a TV series um, and that TV series ends and you get that feeling of like emptiness, like lock, last, um, uh, lack of direction. Like you, you just what do like, I do oh, now? What do I do now? And amplify that by infinite amounts, and that's how I felt. Just completely um, freezing cold, a complete ice from head to toe. And I sort of zombie walked into the the room that they put us in, um, and then realisation happens and then anxiety I've suffered from anxiety when I was younger anyway and anxiety hits you from head to toe and that is a different form of cold um, and heat at the exact same time and then I'm dry retching into the toilet um, and I don't know how long it passed I tried to call mum she wasn't picking up so I messaged Hazel uh, Kate's mum and she was around and I don't know if it made much sense probably should have looked back over those messages because I had no idea what was going on at that point and then a woman came into the room and she said Do you, has anybody told you anything I was like no like heart beating through my throat mm. um, not knowing what to do with myself and, and she said Look, let me get you a cup of tea everything's going okay everything's fine set on my nerves about 10 minutes later um, they come out with a, one of those like incubator thingies yeah with a tiny tiny three pound fifteen ounce baby um what was he four weeks premature he was four weeks premature so he was yeah well three he was in between 36 and 37 weeks um but he was about the size of a 30 week 29 he was tiny he was tiny yeah he was tiny yeah fit in my hand just I can't imagine that roller coaster of emotion to from you know, you, as I said, you guys had your complications, so it was always a nervous kind of time. To then going to having nothing, no information, you know, unbelievable anxiety, 
all this stuff going around your head to then he's there yeah. in front of you and then the next thing you know Kate's fine everything's okay that must just be those two you know the opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of human emotion just must have been how you didn't have a heart attack I don't know I'm not entirely certain that <laughs> <laughs> some sort of aneurysm yeah, yeah, so, something, yeah. well the, the, so there's a um so that all happens and, and I got said 25 minutes 35 minutes something like that before Kate was um, in a stable condition and able to come out <laughs> she she was stoned obviously she'd been knocked That's out um, and uh, she had a um, what do you want to call it oxygen thingy over her mouth and as soon as she woke up she just looked at me and said well, we didn't know the sex and she yeah, didn't find out. first thing she said to me was um, what is it I don't know baby <laughs> um, I, I, the nurses had tried to tell me up until that point and I said no this is something that needs to be done when we're both here mm. which probably in hindsight really pissed the nurses off because at that point when she'd handed over the baby the mum was healthy her job's finished she's, mm. she's done she's, she's off and she was finished after she was going home but because her job wasn't finished until you know hand over to the mother and what have you she hadn't given the information out and the miserable bitch um, I put a pink hat on Seb, knowing that we didn't know the sex. Yeah. Um, Which so was a photo that was sent to me. Everybody. Yeah. Um, so everybody's going, oh, little girl. Yeah. And I, we didn't know because um, I was waiting to find out. So then she said, oh, it's a boy. Obviously, she was. They didn't have enough blue hats or something. They didn't have enough blue hats. Uh, so yeah, and she thought, well, this would be funny. <laughs> Which it was, in hindsight. Um, no, she, it was a lovely thing to do because it kind of capped it all off. Huh, capped it all off. I see what he's done there. Funny. But yeah, I, I kept them um, I kept them on because I was waiting for Kate to wake up so that we find out together mm. what we were going to be calling our baby. Yeah. And I guess that my next... I don't really have any questions in terms of you know, being a father and stuff that really do it any justice or, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about, but it's a broad question, but what, what is that change like to, for your life to go from, because I've mentioned, I mentioned it on, on the first episode of the podcast that I'm, I'm nowhere near being able to think outside of myself and, and Nancy. What is it like for your world to go from being about you to not being about you in any sense? Well, that's the most difficult um, change. Um, and a friend of ours is about to go through that um, change. So I've tried to describe to him the, the change in your mentality that has to happen. And it's really, it's really difficult. Um, Sorry, when you say that it has to happen, is it something that you that happens to you beforehand or is it something that, that happens to you because you become a father? Well, Was it a conscious... I can't say for other people. I can only say what happened to me. Yeah, exactly, me, of course. Um, I knew that it was going to be a change. Like, there's a change when you move in with people. Fortunately for, for Kate and I, that didn't really have to happen because we're, we're, we're both quite comfortable in and out and uh, of each other's presence. So if Kate's got a friend thing going on then she's got a friend thing going on whether or whether or not I'm invited um, and, and vice versa it, we're not attached to the hip um, when a baby comes along you, you can't go oh, I fancy taking a morning off actually is that alright? <laughs> no. <laughs> no it's no, not <laughs> it's really not you, you can't there isn't I mean, we're, it's a different situation now. Like at the weekends, because Kate's gone back to work, um, we'll um, over morning. I'll take a Saturday. She'll take a Sunday. Or vice versa. So we'll, the other person will sleep in till nine. <laughs> <laughs> a lie at nine o'clock. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. even then, you you're still kind of woken up. You kind of doze or read your book or whatever yeah, and stay yeah. in bed yeah. because Seb's at a point now where it doesn't really matter. Um, when Seb first came along, I, I had two weeks off and then I was back to work. You, you have to, I stay a lot, away a lot at work and I've just gone through, unfortunately, the 
having a baby coincided with the most busy year I've, I've had at work. Mm. Um, and you're having to question, do I really need to be away? Can I get away with, you know, driving up there and driving back in a, in a day? Um, is that going to be, is that the best thing to do? You know, going out on work dues um, where you have to entertain customers until the death. You're going, right, it's 11 o'clock. These guys are probably going to be out till two in the morning. I'm going to stop drinking now because I've got to support Kate in the morning. Um, and it's getting into the mindset. If you come home and you say, how can I help? It is very, the very, very worst thing you could say because you're not supposed to be helping. You're supposed to be doing. You're both in this. I've tried my... I, you'd have to ask Kate if I've succeeded, but I've tried my absolute hardest to to just take on responsibilities. The problem is, she's really diligent and I'm really hopeless. So I have to ask. But it's it's what I've tried to do, although I still feel like she's the boss and I'm taking her lead and doing the thing. Well, not so much now, but um, when Seb was born, it was learning off of what she already knew because she'd done the reading um, and she was the diligent intelligent one out of the two of us and I was not um, and I had to learn a lot by doing was rather than saying getting home from work and going how can I help is saying what needs doing um, you know unofficially I took on the mantle of um, of, uh, of bath times which is fine I don't really mind um, so my thing in the evenings was when I got home it coincided with just having had later on when he just had dinner, then I do bath times, which is difficult when you've got a three pound, uh, yeah, three pound fifteen ounce baby bathing them is mm, stressful. Yeah, changing his nappy was stressful at first. Like, yeah, everything was stressful <laughs> with a baby that size because it's all floppy and limbs are all over the place. You don't know if you're going to twist her arm backwards by accident. The poor little thing's going to scream his face off. Um, but we got through it. The, the thing is. Kate's amazing. She really is an incredible woman, and um, despite all of the, you know, emotional, hormonal fluctuations that any human being goes through, um, and if any dad, potential dad, um, father to be is wondering, um, the sympathy hormones are actually scientifically real. Pain. Some people get pain. Some people don't. But the heightened emotion, crying at things that you don't normally cry at, getting angry when you wouldn't normally get angry, are actual... As a father, you As a father, yeah. Mm -hmm. Obviously, women do go through that. Um, Baby brain is a real thing. And the hormones that go through a woman are among the most amazing and most amusingly brutal and mean um, hormones that that, um, Mother Nature has to offer. They're hilarious. I mean, one of the thing, one of the hormones that gets released, actually makes women forget the pain of childbirth, so that they will then have other children we'll do it again. How mean is that? Yeah, that's a horrible thing to do. Yeah. Oh, no, all of that pain that you had to go through. Don't worry about it. Just forget it. Yeah. It's all right. Have another one. Let's just whip that out. I <laughs> so want to do it again. Yeah, it's horrible. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you. You know, particularly for Kate, with the stuff that she had to go through, and she, you know, she's pushing for another one now. I'm not sure I can cope <laughs> with the stress we've had to go through. But Seb's great. Kate's healthy. He's a he's a beautiful little boy. See, you asked earlier on about people, and you know, you looking up to me as being an adult. Mm. I don't really feel I don't think very you, adult. I don't think anyone ever does. That's the thing, isn't no, it? No, I, I, and I agree with you. And you know, if you think turning thirty. Um, uh, sort of brings you into adulthood it's complete crap it doesn't do anything for you frankly nothing really changes it's just a milestone that you then associate certain things happening with obviously it means that you're closer to middle age um, than you were days beforehand (laughs) but you know that doesn't really make any difference given today's modern medicine but you, you looking up to you know me and other people around my age as being adults you've bought a a house with your other half mm. 
Does that make you feel more adult? Um, yes. It's a weird one because yes and no. Because yes, it does. Because it is, it's a huge thing to do. And it's, I'm so grateful and, and lucky to be able to, and I never thought, again, why I why I, I put a number on it, I don't know, but I never thought I would own a, a property before I turned 30. Why I thought that, why in my head I thought, you know, that that was the milestone that I, I, I attributed with buying property, fuck knows, to be honest, but I never thought that would happen. So in, in one in one way, looking at it, you think, and when you first buy something, that's an odd, that's an odd emotion. You look at, you know, uh, a skirting board and you think, I own that. Or, you know, a tile or a brick on the outside, that's, that's mine, I own that. But then the other flip side of it is, shit, I own something, you know, I need to, I've got some responsibility now. I can't just leave a job because, you know, I'm a bit bored or I, I can't just go and do this holiday or blah, 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 because I've got this constant um, payment or responsibility that if I falter on, I am in deep shit. And so is, is Nancy, my partner. And it, it's the kind of the fear that that brings makes you feel younger again. So it's kind of a mixed emotion in one sense. You, th- you yeah. feel mature, but you also think, <laughs> But did you feel the same way when you bought your first car? Um, that's a good question. The first time I bought a car similar but not quite it was more it was more adolescent it was more okay, I'm well, free the, the first time you paid rent off your own back yeah yeah there's a sense of achievement sense of um, independence definitely yeah but yeah. did you feel more adult it's such a weird thing to think it, about it, it is but but if you look at it in, in terms of you know what you need to do to feel more adult it, you know it's, it's never ending yeah, you know, yeah why, why is 30 an arbitrary number that allows you to I mean the years gone by maybe 20 was that number or 25 or 27 why why 30 mm, exactly you know, given how how long people live nowadays why is 30 that number maybe should it be 35 should it be 40 should it be 20 I, I you know but surely you know you, you, you grow into adulthood by um, the way you behave and the way you behave is dictated by what you have in your life your at that situation. time. Your situation. So not the number that you've just ticked into. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you 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 do whatever you do. You know, you leave school. Step you on. leave home. Yeah. You pay your first rent. You buy a car. All of those things qualify you for adulthood because you're doing stuff off your own back. You pay for your first holiday. You pay for your first holiday. You get into a long-term relationship. You buy a house with somebody in that relationship. Um, you know, what happens next? You buy another house with that person, maybe get married, mm. and then you have children. Yeah. And I'll give you one little um, secret about um, feeling like an adult by having a child. Um, is you will feel more like a child like I know you probably have done from buying the house because the amount you've had to ask dad for support in hanging mirrors and pictures. Think about that when you have a kid. Mum, it's done this. What, what, do, I, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do? I can't stop him crying. I'm tired. Think, think about how um, less like a grown-up you'll feel when you have to be on your on the phone to your parents or your other half's parents going, I'm not grown up enough to deal with this. <laughs> yeah. So the juxtaposition is, although theoretically you should feel more adult, you're actually mentality wise, you're looking at me thinking I'm, I'm more like an adult. I'm going, I really don't feel like one. I have to ask for help more than I've ever had to ask since I was in school. <laughs> That's amazing. And I think that that is a, um, a really good place to kind of bring everything to an end today. That's a really good thought. I've never, I've never really thought about that, that the more of an adult you become, the more you sort of go backwards because <laughs> I've never been this far in my life before. I need help. <laughs> Please help me, Dad. I don't know what I'm doing, which is an amazing perspective. And 
I really appreciate that. I, I, I guess one thing I wanted to say um, is that, you know, I think you're, you are doing a, an amazing job with, with Seb, both of you, both you and Kate, and it's encouraging um, for, for me to look towards you guys and, and see how well you're doing and, you know, you both working full time and for him to still be such a fantastic baby is really incredible. And, you know, as much as we've always been close and all that sort of stuff, the thought of you being a father when it came about you 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 know I guess you'll be the same when the time comes for me you think oh, bloody hell really <laughs> are you really ready for that but I think that in all honesty you've done a fantastic job and I think you're a great dad so fair play to you for that and um well done on on where you are in your life and thanks for being a good old brother thanks I try my best <laughs> no I appreciate it thanks well thanks for having me no problem